We continue our series on behavior in the house of God, and today we're focusing on how our worship involves our finances. Would you bow your hearts together with me in prayer? Father, we pause to thank you that you are a giver. You are a giver. You are a giver. And we would be like you, Father. We would be like Jesus. And so we're offering ourselves as candidates at this very moment for your sweet Holy Spirit to work through so that indeed we will become more and more and more in line with the economy of heaven and the way that you would have us to behave relative to your house. And so realizing the importance of what we're about to study today, again, I offer myself as a vessel of fresh and new into your hands at this very moment. Please cleanse me with the washing of the blood of your dear son. Please anoint me with the power of your sweet Holy Spirit so that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be acceptable in your sight so that your purpose your design purpose might be accomplished for each of us as individuals, as families, and as a church collective. Because this pray, pray, and praises for victories I give in Christ's name, amen. We return to our foundational scripture for this series, Behaving in the House of God, found in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. These things write I unto you, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest underscore, know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Worship involves our finances in the house of God. In all probability of all the subjects dealt with in the Bible, the one concerning personal financial involvement in the ministry of the local churches through our tithes and through our offerings brings the greatest amount of apprehension to both pastors and to parishioners. Some pastors feel that if they start dealing with people's money and the patterns of giving, they will be stepping on territory that can bring great repercussions. Some members dread to have the subject dealt with in a public way from the pulpit because, sad to report, there are abuses that are transpiring that are taking place regarding personal accountability. In Malachi chapter 3, there is a passage of Scripture that many Christians can quote from memory. And also, probably, some Christians wish was not a part of Scripture. I read Malachi chapter 3, beginning in verse 8. The Lord is asking, will a man rob God? 
Yet ye have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? And God responds in tithes and offerings. You're cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring me all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now, herewith saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. There's very little question in the minds and hearts of the majority of Christians as to what comprises tithes and offerings. But there are a lot of ideas. There is an abundance of discussion. There is a multitude of practices concerning the storehouse. Regardless of what an individual's application of what the storehouse may be, regardless of what a group's application of what a storehouse may be, there is one fact that is irrefutable, and the fact is this. God has a concern, and the concern of God is that there be provision, that His house does not go lacking. That was a concern of Father God in days past, and it is still a concern of Father God today. There is strong evidence that with God, now follow me closely, there is strong evidence that with God, the storehouse is to be linked with His house. Look again at Malachi chapter 3, the A part of verse number 10. Bring ye all the tithes into, underscore, the storehouse, that there may be meat, again, underscore, in mine house. So again, there is irrefutable evidence that in the mind and in the heart of God, the storehouse is connected with and defined by His house. This is a strong cord of truth that is woven throughout the entirety of Scripture. It was a principle in the function of the tabernacle. Exodus chapter 25, verses 1 through 8. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they bring me an offering of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart, ye shall take my offering, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Did you notice how the offering is connected with God's sanctuary? Also, it was a principle in the function of the temple that was built by Solomon, 1 Kings chapter 7 and verse number 51. So was ended all the work that King Solomon made for the house of the Lord. And Solomon brought in the things which David his father had dedicated, even the silver and the gold and the vessels did he put among the treasures of the house of the Lord. 
Again, did you notice how the treasure, the money, is involved with the house of the Lord? Also, it was a principle in the function of the post-Babylon exile temple. Ezra chapter 3, verses 1 through 13, and I've condensed it down. And when the seventh month was come, the people gathered themselves together as one man to Jerusalem. But the foundation of the temple of the Lord was not yet laid. They gave money to set forward the work of the house of the Lord. So again, did you notice how money is linked with the house of the Lord? Also, it was a principle in the function of the local assemblies that comprise the New Testament church. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. Now, concerning the collection of offering for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings or collections when I come. And so again, offerings are connected with the churches. Now, follow me very closely. One of the ways to misbehave in regard to the house of God is to neglect or disobey God's plan concerning financial means. Because to disobey God's plan concerning financial means is to rob God. Now, if you're going to get upset, don't get upset with Pastor Dan. Get upset with Heavenly Father. And I don't think you want to go there, do you? It's also not only robbing God, it's also robbing ourselves. And we're going to see this in just a few moments. We're robbing ourselves of a tremendous blessing. Not only does it rob God and rob ourselves, it also robs others of the influence that our monetary giving could have in their lives and in their livings. Again, follow me closely. Doing what is honest in conjunction with financial activity regarding the house of God is behaving it's behaving properly according to what God has commissioned and what God has commanded. I believe with all of my mind and all of my heart that if we desire the Lord of hosts to be with us, to be with us in the abundant blessing measure He delights to dispense, then we need to behave properly according to what the Scriptures prescribe regarding financial stewardship. Well, to be sure, there are general blessings from the Creator for all of God's creation. Jesus gave a reminder of this in His first recorded sermon found in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 45. For He, speaking of the Father which is in heaven, 
For he maketh his sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. So, Heavenly Father dispenses general blessings to the entirety of the human family. But there are also specific blessings. Specific blessings from the Creator that are reserved only for the children of God. Only for the children of God who behave properly in relationship to Him and His house. Malachi chapter 3, the B part of verse number 10. God speaking, and said to that generation then, and is saying to our generation today, prove me now, herewith saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. God was speaking to, to physical Israel then, and God's saying the same thing to spiritual Israel today. In this verse, Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10, and in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19, there is a description of what I refer to and call as the bank of heaven. Look at Philippians 4 verse 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. My brothers and sisters, when God is honored with financial means, when you and I behave relative to the house of God as we should, access to the bank of heaven becomes a reality. And I want us to spend the rest of our time together today in this presentation taking a close look at the bank of heaven. As we take a closer look at the bank of heaven, first of all, we note the president of the bank. The president is my God. What greater bank can we go to than the bank of heaven? God is the president of the bank of heaven. God owns the bank of heaven. God operates the bank of heaven. During the recession that took place just a few years ago, there were a number of banks that closed in the United States of America. And what I'm about to say is not meant to be critical and it's not meant to be judgmental. But when you look at those bank closures, it becomes very evident that some of those bank closures were due, they were the result of poor management, of bad oversight relative to those banks. Well, my brothers and sisters, you and I never have to worry we never have to be concerned about the bank of heaven. It will never, it will never, it will never suffer 
because God owns that bank and God operates that bank. He is the CEO, if you will, of the bank of heaven. Also, that phrase, my God, reveals that there is to be personal relationship between the human and the divine relative to the bank of heaven. A number of years ago, I relocated to accept a position as pastor in a different church. In fact, it was when Rebecca and I changed denominations. In 1982, after my serving as a pastor in the Pentecostal world for 18 years, we became members of the Seventh-day Adventist Christian Church, and I was placed on the pastoral staff in Keene, Texas. And so, we relocated from where we were to Keene, Texas. I took a substantial cut in salary when I became a part of the pastoral staff in Keene, Texas. My family had lived in a rent-free parsonage that paid all of the expenses and covered all of the maintenance. And what a shock it was to my bank account when I wrote out that first month's rent in that new home we were living in. They did not have a parsonage for us to reside in. What a pain to my bank account when I had to write out that first month's utility bill payment because the church where I had previously pastored had covered all of those expenses. It was very painful for us. And so, with a decrease in salary, income, and the increase in expenses, we began to struggle somewhat as we were adapting to our new budget. One day, my wife, Rebecca, visited the neighborhood bank, which was right across the road from where we lived, and the manager of the bank was actually a church member. And she went there to inquire about a position. When she returned, she told me that there were no positions available, but she held up a large piece of money. And I, I inquired, where did you get the money? And she said, well, he gave me the money to help us in our situation. And I looked at her and I said, Rebecca, what did you have to do to get this money? And the moment those words came out of my mouth, she and I both started turning all shades of pink and red. But that banker gave her that money to assist us in our present situation at that time, and he became a personal friend of mine. A few months later, I saw an older truck that I wanted to buy to remodel that truck to, to bring it back into good working order. I wanted to restore it. And that banker loaned me the money from the bank, and all I had to do was sign my signature. 
Because of my personal relationship with that banker, I never missed a payment. Because of my personal relationship with that banker, I was never delinquent. I was never late in making a monthly installment banker. My brothers and sisters, because of the personal relationship I have with my God, I never allow an offering plate to pass in front of me without placing something in that offering plate. It may not be as large as I would like for it to be, but I decided a long time ago that I wanted my, and I want my giving pattern to be a witness to others. And I want my giving pattern to be a witness to the enemy of God and the enemy of my soul. I want my witnessing to be a personal expression of my relationship with my God and with the house of God. And so I always make sure that when the offering plate is passed, I put something in that offering plate. Next. As we take a close look at the bank of heaven, we need to notice the promise. The promise is, my God shall supply. That promise made by God is always sure. Now, God does not specify how the blessing will come, but you and I can take it to the bank that if we do not rob God, God is as good as His Word. And God has promised to pour out a blessing upon us. And you and I are not to question how God's going to do it. We're not to question in what form the blessing will be dispensed. Our only concern must be that we behave so that we will be positioned beneath the windows of heaven. <laughs> Is there anybody else here besides me that wants to station yourself for the remainder of time under the, under the windows of heaven so that God can pour out the blessings upon us? We do, don't we? Sometimes God supplies our needs directly. And sometimes God supplies our needs through others. Philippians chapter 4, verses 15, 16, and 18. Now, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity but I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. After graduating from seminary, and spending one year in pastoral ministry, I was called to teach in a new Bible college. I was to teach Greek, Old Testament, and biblical theology. The school was new, 
And so it could not afford to pay very much. But Rebecca and I sensed that that was where God wanted us for that time in our ministry. We had been blessed with our daughter Salome at that time. During the summer, between the first and second years there at that school, we attended a camp meeting on the grounds of the school and the local conference shared the property facility. And unbeknowing to me, during the worship service that Sunday morning, Rebecca spent time praying. And she was praying that God's sweet spirit would impress someone to invite us home for lunch because we were out of food. But to her dismay, no one did. And so we returned to our little home and that was close by. And Rebecca made a sandwich and fed it to our young daughter. The sandwich consisted of the end piece of a bread, a little slice of tomato that was mashed, that's how we say it in Georgia, was mashed in the mayonnaise. That's all we had in the refrigerator. I had not received a salary for several weeks due to the financial condition of the school. And so things were really, really, really tight for us. Rebecca's heart, her spirit seemed broken. And I can close my eyes now, and I can still see my sweet wife as she came to me, the tears streaming down her cheeks. And she said, Dan, you are a smart man. You could be anything you wanted to be. Why are you putting us through this? And I broke down and started crying. The next day, however, our hearts and our spirits would be revived and encouraged. I went to the mailbox, and to my ultimate surprise, there was a letter from Brazil. I opened it up, and it was a letter from one of my roommates when I was in seminary. We had graduated together. He had gone to Brazil as a missionary. And while walking through the jungles of Brazil, two weeks earlier, God's sweet spirit impressed him to send everything he had in his wallet to Rebecca and me. We received it just in time. My brothers and sisters, you cannot convince me that I do not serve an awesome God. And God will supply. That's a promise I say you and I can take to the bank. Next, as we take a closer look at the bank of heaven, we need to notice the provision all your need. Now, it's very crucial that you and I understand that all of our needs, they differ. Your needs are different from my needs. My needs are different from your needs. 
But you and I can be assured that God will supply all our need. And we can identify with what the Apostle Paul expressed in his frame of mind, preserved in Philippians 4 and verse 11. Not that I speak in respect to want, for I have learned, and I would say there's not much of a better lesson you and I can learn than the lesson he learned. I have learned in whatsoever state I am, even the state of Florida, therewith to be content. Oh, my brothers and sisters, contentment is a valuable supplying from God. And because Father God supplied this need in Paul's life, the need to be content, he could testify in Philippians 4 and verse 12 that he knew how to be abased. He knew how to abound. He knew how to be full. He knew how to be hungry. He knew both how to abound and to suffer need. God has made a provision. And God is aware of your need. And God is aware of my need. Next, as we take a close look at the bank of heaven... We need to know the proviso. He said, according to his riches in glory. Now, what is a proviso? A proviso is a condition. It is a stipulation. Now, follow me closely. The condition of God's ability to supply all our needs is according to His riches in glory. This is God's covenant with you. It's God's collateral guarantee to me. So the question I ask us today is how rich is God? My brothers and sisters, there is no measure of the riches of God. Because God's riches are not dependent on earthly stock markets. God's riches are not dependent on how fast the treasury department can print paper money. God's riches are not dependent on how much gold is stored in Fort Knox. You and I are not dependent on Wall Street for our capital. We are not dependent on Washington, D.C. for our capital. You and I must resolve in mind and in heart, we will be dependent upon God who will supply all our need according to His riches in glory. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 26. How rich is God? For the earth is the Lord's. And how much of it? And the fullness thereof. God has infinite resources. They never fail. And they are always accessible. Finally, as we take note to the bank of heaven, 
We need to notice the provider by Jesus Christ. Listen to me carefully. Every provision of God bears the signature of His Son. And because Jesus has endorsed with every drop of His precious blood, the provision is recognized and honored by our Heavenly Father. John 14, verses 13 and 14. Flowing from the gracious lips of our Savior, and whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son, if you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. My friends, because of the temptation to divert financial means away from the ministry of God's house, we need to affirm in mind and in heart that we will not rob God. Because as you and I behave properly in God's house, in regard to worship and how it involves our finances, we can know with a certainty that the work of God is going to continue. And the work of God is not only going to continue, the work of God is going to accomplish His designed purpose through the local church. Yea, even through University Parkway, Seventy Adventist Christian Church. As you and I behave properly in God's house in regard to worship and how it involves our finances, we can resound with lips and with lives the exuberance of Paul as penned in Philippians 4 and verse 20. Now, unto God, and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Father God, again, we thank you that you are a giver, a giver, a giver. And from this very simple lesson today, Help us to understand for the rest of our lives and living that you have called us to receive from the bank of heaven. But there is a condition that we be responsible givers ourselves. Because this prayer I pray and praise as I give for this people here in this church at this local house of yours, who in times past, in the present, and I believe yet in the future, will continue to honor you and never become robbers. In Christ's name, amen.